0: Peace breaking out in the Middle East with Dr. Kevin Barrett, right here, right now, on VT Radio. Let's go. With host, Johnny Punish. And we're back on VT Radio with the great Dr. Kevin Barrett. we got so many things to talk about today, Kevin Barrett. You know, we're going to talk about peace breaking out in the Middle East. And of course, we're going to talk about your forthcoming article on Anthrax 9-11 and uh, how it relates to the January 6th. But most importantly, that hat, we want to talk about advertising your book. So, I mean, you got so many books going on over there. Kevin, tell us about that hat. What's going on?
1: Okay, well, I bet only a small percentage of my audience recognizes what that W stands for. It doesn't stand for Wisconsin, the university that basically uh, threw me out somewhat reluctantly when I was wish hunted for talking about 9-11 back in 2006. No, it, it stands for weird. Uh, so yeah, of course, I'm not just capitulating to Sean Hannity and and uh, Bill O'Reilly and admitting that I'm weird. Uh But I I actually wrote my first book back in nineteen ninety four, and it's entitled Doctor Weird's Weird Tours: A Guide to Mysterious San Francisco. And this was the first of the weird tour guides. Uh, Later, other people imitated me and put out Weird Wisconsin and things like that. Uh, But that was the first one, and I have I just discovered a box of copies of this book. Which there have been times when these books that was selling for over two hundred dollars per copy on the internet, but I think it's back down lower. Uh in any case, I have those books, and I also have a collection of I think it's like maybe fifty or sixty or maybe even seventy books about San Francisco that I use to research the Doctor Weird Book now, I'm moving to Morocco I'm not going to wear this dusty, disgusting, rotten, moldy weird hey it's pretty weird, isn't it like <laughs> it's
0: Halloween, actually you know? a good uh you know music video prop or something.
1: <laughs> I guess. I don't know if I'm going to be doing any music videos. but Anyway, I, I, I want to unload all this stuff. So if there's anybody insane enough, uh, it, maybe somebody in the neighborhood of San Francisco in that area would find it interesting to get this incredible collection of books. Many of them, I think, are pretty valuable now. They're like, you know, a lot of older copies of uh, w- interesting offbeat history books about San Francisco and other stuff like that. So if anybody is interested in, in buying my hat, uh one or more copies of the weird tour guide, um, or my complete collection of the material I used to research that tour guide, along with a bunch of clippings and stuff. And you know, the press uh, gave me a lot of coverage. I actually made a fair bit of money off that book more than any other book before or since. And that financed my graduate education and my PhD, uh, later. So anyway, if anybody's interested in all this stuff, uh, you don't have to buy the hat that's optional, uh,
0: but, uh, does it come with all the cobwebs <laughs>
1: yeah you get free cobwebs uh you know just
0: <laughs> so, so how many books in total are there uh
1: well again i'm not sure that the research books there's all these books about san francisco history and things like that uh it's dozens i think i think it's like in the neighborhood of 50 plus as i said wow. And then and the other ones, I just have this one box of the of these weird tour guides. Uh, I think it's still available on Amazon. Uh, it's just look up weird with an E. It's spelled weird and then tack an E on the end of it, and you can't miss it. Uh, now, so, for someone
0: who wants to buy those books from you, uh, how would they contact you? What's the best way to get get to you? Uh,
1: you can email me at Truth Jihad all run together, at gmail.com. That's truth and then J-I-H-A-D, gmail.com. Gotcha.
0: Well, perfect. Okay. If anybody out there wants them, you know, hit up uh, Dr. Kevin Barrett right away. Let's go. Okay. Uh, let's uh, talk about this uh, article you're coming out with, uh, or maybe you've already come out with, I forgot, but it's uh, is it about the anthrax issue in 9-11. Tell us about that.
1: Well, it's not so much. Yeah. It's what, it's, what it is, is it's my article for this month's Crescent International Magazine, which is the leading uh, Muslim public affairs magazine. It's a great, great publication. And uh, I'm, basically taking off on the uh, observation that we're hearing so much about the insurrection on January 6th, 2020, uh, which was supposedly an attack on Congress and therefore an attack on democracy. And what was it really? It looks like it was incited by the feds Uh, they escorted Hugh Shaman in there, uh, gave him a tour. The police just let him in there. Uh, most of the people actually went into the building, didn't even know it was illegal. Uh, and yeah, there was some violence there. There were people who fought with the police and broke some things, but not so much. And most of the people went in there actually behaved pretty, uh, tamely and timorously indeed when they were in there, uh, compared to protesters in general. So that whole insurrection thing, attack on democracy, blah, 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 uh, Frankly, I think it's complete bullshit. I disagree with with uh, Gordon Duff and Jim Dean and some of those guys who used to work with us at VT, who you know took that seriously or whatever. Nah, it's it's. I, I really think that was a PR kind of setup. And in terms of an attack on democracy, the people who did it. Were they were trying to defend constitutional democracy. Now, they may have been wrong. I think they were, to some extent. They were duped by Trump, who's a bad actor uh, in many ways. Maybe not in all ways, but Mm -hmm. in most ways. (laughs) So anyway, so that's this huge thing now, the insurrection. It's like the new 9-11. But nobody remembers what happened back in October of 2001 when there was an attack on the Capitol. And it specifically, anthrax was mailed there. Dozens of people were treated for anthrax exposure, and they shut down Congress. It's extremely for
0: serious, right? I'm not. T- we're talking extremely serious medical uh, problems with anthrax, right? Death, yeah,
1: right? I, I think there might have been a staffer or two who died. A bunch of people died around the country. There was if, the anthrax was first sent to journalists. The first person who got it was uh, a journalist who I believe had uh, exposed the drunken antics of Bush's daughters in a way that was extremely embarrassing to the Bush family. And then he, he got the anthrax and died. Uh, and then a bunch uh, some other journalists got it. And then uh, in October, the I think it was uh, the first the it was for the first known anthrax mailings arrived something in around October 3rd or 4th or something like that. Uh, just just as or maybe it was fifth, it was right around. It was they, they were mailed at almost exactly the time that Dick Cheney had threatened uh, Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy uh, to meet his deadline. I think it was October, like an October fifth or something deadline uh, for passing the Patriot Act, and they wanted to ram it through fast. And Daschle and Leahy said, "No, we not. We need to stop and debate this and talk about. It. You're talking about basically overthrowing constitutional democracy. We need to look at this." And so, boom, anthrax hits Congress. Congress is shut down and the Congress people are told they have to go into hiding. Don't wear your congressional pin. Uh, don't show your uh, license plates. Hide your license plates. Go into hiding. You know, people are trying to kill you. And so Congress was then shut down for a week. And when it reconvened, uh, they, of course, passed the, the Patriot Act without any real debate. So, Right, I, call, I call democracy. it
0: the unpatriot act like that's what i refer to it unpatriot Act. Yeah.
1: So, yeah so so let's so comparing the two and one of them some lunatic you know dresses up with horns on his head and gets paraded around congress by the Capitol police who escorted people in there and then this is told, called some kind of attack on democracy and the whole thing was a big demonstration that hey we need to really count the votes accurately and have a real democracy uh, again I, i'm not sure that they were right about everything. But so, so that was supposedly an attack on democracy, that insurrection. Yeah, right. And, and here we had Congress actually shut down for a week and a bill destroying, rolling back or, or essentially terminating American constitutional democracy passed after threats from the guy uh, who was involved in orchestrating both 9-11 and probably the anthrax mailings. And and, uh, and we have lost our democracy. we had no constitutional democracy ever since. So which of those two was a real attack on Congress and a real attack on democracy? I would say it's the anthrax mailings.
0: Yeah, incredible. You know, a lot of my friends will ask me, uh, hey, we're, we're having a problem with freedom. I go, yeah, where have been for the last 20 years? Um, <laughs> right. You know, the Unpatriot Act that killed that a long time ago. Uh, and so, yeah, freedom, that's a funny thing. Um, t- a tough issue because as far as I'm concerned... I hate to say it, but I think it's gone. I think it's gone. You know, I think it's done. Can you hear me okay, Kevin?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, my sound is getting
0: a little weird. Yeah. Gotcha. So what do you think about that? Is freedom and privacy completely gone, or is there any hope that it can be recaptured sometime in the future?
1: Well, it's 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 largely gone. I mean, I think it would, it would of course, take a real uprising to change things. And, you know, we've seen that there's the potential for that kind of uprising sort of brewing, but yeah, I don't, whether it reaches critical mass or not, I don't know if it ever will or or what. I mean, it's possible that the uh, corruption uh, in this particular society and civilization at the top is ultimately going to destroy it. And when things collapse and get really ugly uh, economically and in terms of people having to really scramble, that, that that that's when things will change. And how they'll change, I don't know. But it's it's quite possible that this whole infrastructure of unfreedom. Will, uh, will collapse along with a lot of other
0: things. You know, we, we have corruption at the very top. It's open now, right? They're openly corrupt. Uh, and it used to be a long time ago they were corrupt, but it was behind the scenes, backdoor deals. You know, it was in hushed tones. No one talked about it. In fact, most Americans weren't even aware that the government was corrupt. Uh, for example, if you come to Mexico, uh, you ask any Mexican, any 133 million Mexicans, ask any one of them, is your government corrupt? And they would all say, of course it is. You know, there was never an argument. I mean, even 20 years ago, never an argument. It was like, oh, absolutely. Um, But if you ask an American, no, 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 no corruption at all. It's the Mexicans are corrupt. And it turns out that the United States is not only openly corrupt, but it's about a thousand times greater than Mexico in terms of numbers and payoffs. And and they do it in beautiful, lovely $10,000 suits, too. So what say you about the corruption?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The U.S. is uh, terminally corrupt at its higher levels. It's different from a lot of countries. There are many countries where it's corrupt down at the lower levels. And so everybody sees it. You know, the cops will take a bribe to not ticket you and things like that. So there it's it's obvious and people can't miss it. Now, here in the U.S., we're actually remarkably non-corrupt at the lower levels, at least in many parts of the country, up to a certain point, of course. I mean, there, there are you know, there there there's some corruption everywhere. I think, or most places, there's a little bit. Uh, you know, the, typically police departments will often have something festering where they're you know protecting some kind of racket or something like that. But it's it's not so obvious that everybody is always running into it like they are in so many other places. Right.
0: But, up but at, at the, the top, whoa. at the upper levels, these guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're just. Insider trading of the US Congress, for for example. I mean, I mean come on, guys. You know?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it is just taken for granted. And you know, I think one of the reasons that Biden is so incredibly unpopular, uh, it's really is his polling numbers that came out this week are are just through the bottom. Uh, and he's you know and and the whole establishment is starting to wonder if if he should run. Uh his unpopularity is in part due to the fact that people are increasingly getting this subliminal, or in some cases, some cases actually a conscious realization that this guy is—he's well, yeah, a gangster. I mean, he's, his whole career has, has been in essentially the interface of politics and or, organized crime. You know, his whole family is is on the payroll. That story came out recently about how a whole bunch of his family members were making these million-dollar influence deals you know pay-to-play deals with uh, with mafiosi types all over the world that's what his whole family does he's got a crime family you know you've heard about the clinton crime family and the clinton body count well the biden crime family may be even worse you know with the clintons i'm not sure how many people directly related to bill and hillary were actually grabbing millions of dollars from crime figures around the world based on pay to play, you know, influence peddling arrangements. But it's uh, the Biden crime family. is it's it's worldwide. I mean, they're taking money from all over the place and and it's all out in the open now. And, and, you know, when the laptop story that kind of broke this made it public and undeniable happened right before the last election, the media conspired to cover it up and it was even banned from social media. You couldn't send the URL to the New York Post story. New York Post is a venerable newspaper. It's the oldest newspaper in New York, if not America. And they published that big breakthrough story on Hunter's laptop and all of the massive evidence of crime uh, by by his father, as well as himself, on that laptop. And the story is suppressed from social media, and the rest of the media just sticks their head in the sand. And then somebody gathers a bunch of ex-intelligence chieftains Who put out some statement that oh it looks like has all the earmarks of russian disinformation uh which of course it wasn't it was it was a real uh real story uh and that that there's no way trump would have failed to roundly defeat biden if the media had even done one percent of its job around that laptop Uh, so i think people are starting to notice this uh at least subliminally and at some level even democrats and people who voted for biden suspect or know it's some, in some parts of their consciousness that this guy is just a criminal and a thug and uh you know god knows what the reality is i mean i'm not even going to speculate with these kinds of you know q uh claims certainly his, his daughter uh ashley's diary about how creepy she felt it was for joe to get in the shower with her uh is a little concerning uh, although I, some people are saying that's proof that he's uh, an incestuous pedophile i wouldn't quite go that far but uh there there's a fair bit of that kind of evidence pointing at him being uh, pretty creepy besides the fact that he's always being photographed sniffing women's hair <laughs> so uh, you know <laughs> uh, how do guys like this end up leading the country uh, um, <laughs> i don't get it
0: <laughs> we used to have standards I, you know I, I talk in my family about high standards and low standards and you know, we definitely used to have higher standards, but really we have very, very low standards right now. and yeah, it's I mean, Clint, Clinton raped,
1: raped women like crazy, but at least he yeah. did it in private. He didn't right. run around, like, sniffing their hair in public and raping them on camera.
0: Right. So, speaking about suppressed, I do want to talk about one suppressive issue. Every time you and I talk, of course, and we upload this to YouTube, uh, YouTube decides that uh, they're going to ban us and remove no, the, I'm sure I've uh, said enough idea. things that
1: will get – well, you, you yeah, better put you did. this on Rumble.
0: No, in <laughs> fact, uh, I, I want to announce to our listeners and readers that we're officially – Uh, promoting Rumble, not YouTube, and and we're always going to be promoting Rumble on VT always, uh, and only using YouTube when absolutely necessary, and where it's the only place we can get some sort of video for our articles. But uh, yeah, definitely not using YouTube um, when we can avoid it. But we we do promote it on YouTube, but not as a priority. So I want to let everybody know about that. Kevin, I want to talk right uh, now about Peace breaking out in the Middle East. This is not a well-known story. It's kind of in the background right now, but really it's a huge story. I mean, this is incredible what's going on. So let's talk about that and explain to our listeners and, and, and viewers all over the world. What do you mean by peace breaking out in the Middle East?
1: Well, the the so-called Middle East, some call it the Muslim East or West Asia. A lot of people don't like Middle East because, well, it's not really very far. It's not really East. It only looks East if you're Eurocentric. But whatever you want to call that region, it's been divided and conquered by the so-called West uh, or the Euro-American powers now for well over a century. Absolutely. And it's been that dividing and conquering process has become extremely bloody, especially since 9-11 and the 9-11 wars. Although it was pretty bad even before that. Uh, and so the U.S. empire, uh, along with their the Zionists, who were so powerful in the U.S. that there's really a kind of a fusion between the Zionists and the American empire, And of course, the Zionist wing of the American empire has been responsible for many of the worst crimes of the empire and the things like the murder of the Kennedys, 9-11, and things like that. But so this empire has been stirring up chaos and division in the region as a way to stay in power more and more and more over over time. And then post 9-11, we've had sort of what they call the destabilization doctrine, which is that rather than trying to set up thuggish dictators who obey the empire's orders, which was the old way of doing things. Now, we're just going to destroy the the whole place and keep it so weak and divided that we can just march in there and take what we want. And that's, of course, what they've done. Uh, much of Iraq's oil has been looted by way of uh, organized crime of various kinds, taking it out through the Kurdish regions of northern Iraq. Uh, the Israelis have their hands in that and fingers in that pie. Uh, Syria is still occupied by U.S. forces so that Syria's oil can be stolen. Uh, the most productive part of Syria is still occupied, and the U.S. and its murderous criminal friends are stealing the resources from from Syria. Uh, so, so the strategy has been to reduce the region to chaos uh, through fostering division. And since 9 11, once the U.S. and its Israeli friends took control of Iraq, they were able to use false flag tactics to stir up enmity between Shia and Sunni Muslims. And that led to an ex- a, a huge acceleration of the of fight between Saudi Arabia and Iran, the two heavyweights there around the Persian Gulf. And so that tension between those two powers has defined the last two decades uh, since 9-11. And it was being maintained de- deliberately by the U.S. empire, which then can kind of keep the Saudis taking American weapons and, uh, and bribes uh, in order to supposedly protect them and their oil operations from the so-called Iranian threat. So that now the Saudis have woken up and they've seen that the future is not American owned anymore. And so they allowed China to come in and broker peace uh, and uh, mending of relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So now uh, we're seeing all kinds of uh, examples, There's a new story every day of the Iranians and the Saudis uh, get working together on this, that, and the other, And now, just the latest news I saw last night on Al Jazeera, as I'm trying to brush up on my Arabic for heading for Morocco, uh, is that Oman has the leadership in Oman met with the supreme leader, uh, Sayyid Ali Khamenei of Iran. And now Oman is getting in the game of peacemaking uh, with the full backing of Saudi. So essentially, These yeah, there's along with the big split between the Saudis and the Iranians. There's also been all kinds of little backbiting, infighting feuds between you know Qatar and the Saudis, or you know Oman has been sort of trying to be in the middle, but then they side one way and then the other way. And the Emiratis, of course, have been bad players in Yemen, siding with the Saudis but against the the Houthis, that who who were supported, although not materially supported that much, really by Iran. There's been all of these uh, factional kinds of rivalries. And now these leaders seem to be, uh, inshallah, waking up to the fact that things will work much better in the region if they just tone that down and get along and trade and have a united front on the issues that they all agree on, such as the need to liberate Palestine. So the big losers here are the Americans, who will find it harder to loot the region in the future, and of course the Zionists uh, occupying Palestine, who are now facing a united Muslim East uh, against them. And, of course, the Chinese and the Russians are winners. Both are viewed favorably now as the region is looking beyond its past as as an appendage of the American Empire. So this is uh, really exciting, and I'm very happy to be moving to the MENA region and uh, get out of the belly of the beast here in in North America and join a region that's actually moving in the right direction.
0: Now, I might have to join you on that. My cousin's actually moving back to Lebanon right now. He's actually on a plane right now moving back to Beirut. Uh, after 40 years in the diaspora, uh, maybe I should move back to Palestine anytime soon. Um, That might be a good idea to be part of the future of a better Middle East or a better Holy Land or a better Levant. Uh, What what should we refer to the area as now? What what do you think is the more appropriate word?
1: Well, it depends, you know, what you're talking about because, you know, there's, if you talk, West Asia definitely, you know, covers the parts of this region, you know, apart from, from North Africa. If you want to include North Africa... You know, but people have always used the term MENA, M-E-N-A, standing for Middle East, North Africa. But then you're stuck with that Middle East thing, which is a remnant of the Eurocentric days of colonialism. Uh, right. So it, it just depends. You know, you can call it the Muslims because the kind of dominant cultural paradigm has been islamic now that's not to denigrate the christian element too there's been a really important uh christian and indeed jewish element but the christian one you know has been bigger than the jewish one uh but the culture is is what marshall hodgson called islamicate uh and and so the i think that people from that region whether they're christian or muslim they have a similar uh cultural approach to a lot of things including religion actually you know, obviously, Christians from that region use the word Allah to refer to God, uh, for one thing, and and they. Yeah, I you know, Allah, yeah, I tell my yeah.
0: friends Allah Akbar. They're like, well, "Are you Muslim?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 right. So you, you're Christian. You know, you know exactly. And and the reason why it's that way is, of course, because Islam really, it's properly could be viewed as just a different interpretation of Christianity. Uh, I, I hate to say, all my Muslim friends will probably throw rotten fruit at me for, for saying that. <laughs> what are you Talking about? We're just a little Christian sect. No, no, we're against, no, we're against sectarianism. But but if if you accept uh, the basic truth of the Islamic revelation as I do, what you're accepting ends up being not really very different from a certain kind of interpretation of Christianity, right? I mean, Jesus is still our Messiah. Right. He's uh right. we are universalists. Uh and so Moses is a prophet, right? Moses, yeah, all of all of the same prophets are there. Uh I suppose one minor difference would be that we Muslims may be a little bit more skeptical overall about the Old Testament than most Christians, although the Catholics actually are, are still somewhat skeptical about the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, we don't accept the Old Testament as uncorrupted revelation. there are like little details, but they're just details. And a basic approach of monotheism is pretty similar. And even, even Jewish monotheism can be interpreted universally and ends up being pretty close to right. to the, the Christian and Muslim versions.
0: Incredible. So, so this is an interesting... Uh Event of what's happening uh, after 100 years of Western dominance in the, in the West Asia region um, to have the, com- uh, the countries there talking to each other and actually uh, brokering uh, deals that are going to be productive for the people there. That's what I'm concerned about. That's to me is what it will be the ultimate determination if it's going to be successful. Because 100 years of Western influence in the Middle East was great for the corporations that were raping the oil, uh, but for the average Joe on the street or the average, you know, Muhammad on the street, um, did not benefit at all. Uh, was you know raped and pillaged by all this and destruction everywhere from Palestine to Syria to Iraq. To Iran even in the you know in the days of Mossadegh when they tried to uh, overthrow the government's uh, the CIA overthrew in Iran just to get the oil it's just been an overall disaster for a hundred years it's got to stop somewhere Kevin is this where it stops uh inshallah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> do you honestly do you think this could be it or is it the beginning of something yeah absolutely
1: well you know we say inshallah you know by if if god wills you know when there's something good that could happen in the future that hopefully seems possible i mean you know you don't say it if it seems impossible so yeah i I think it's possible
0: fantastic now uh, for those of you that don't know i just released on vt yesterday uh, a remastered version of my song the occupation Uh, and the occupation was uh, released for the 75th anniversary of al nakba which uh, was uh, it's been this month uh, may 15th right so that would be the birth of israel or the catastrophe of palestine right and uh, so for all our listeners out there if you're interested in that check that out um it's a really cool song it's a dark song obviously it tells the story of the occupation in a very dark and sad and poignant way um it's in a minor chord. if anybody's interested so that's how i wrote it um But I hope you guys like it, and I hope it brings some emotion to you and gets you to talk about the issues in Palestine because it's so needed uh, in Palestine and around the West Asia area of the world. So, uh, uh, Kevin, I'm going to send you a copy of that, okay?
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, send you an MP3. I'll just email to you, and I'll get that to you as soon as I possibly can for the show. So, Kevin, tell us what's coming up more this week for you in terms of what's happening for the week.
1: Well... Uh, I have to write an article for American Free Press, but I haven't decided what I'm going to write it about so I better not talk about it uh, okay <laughs> because I don't have much to say.
0: <laughs> good good, gotcha and uh, on this end it's it's business as usual you know VT's rolling and we're gonna get it rolling out there uh, do some good some good work this week. I got a lot of writers uh, sending their stuff in this week and we'll get it posted for y'all uh, on that note, don't forget to support VT radio we're over here VT got the VT cup. You can support us on buymeacoffee.com. It's on our website. Please support us because it's very important. We don't get a lot of advertising dollars, uh, enough to support the, the channels. So please do that. And Kevin, how can people directly support what you're doing at Substack? And tell us all about that. Well, people can
1: subscribe to my Substack at kevinbarrett.substack.com and get early access to my shows and uh, special sneak peeks at things like my my new article coming up for the Crescent that we talked about today. Uh, You can't read that until it's published at the Crescent unless you subscribe to my Substack. And then people can also help me move to Morocco. We do have a fundraiser up, and you can find that fundraiser if you go to the False Flag weekly news rubric. You click on Truth, you go to truthjihad.com. And then you'll see a false flag re- weekly news rubric and you click on that and you look at our story list. And usually I think number two on that list is going to be that fundraiser for helping Muse the Cat uh, go to Morocco and s- stay in cat food. There's Muse the oh, Cat. there you uh, go. Support, <laughs> being is supported that on right top now. of the air
0: conditioning unit? Is that what that is?
1: yeah well he's no he's on top of actually these these are uh, old LP records oh, the books I camp, so. yeah yeah I'm selling <laughs> old OP records too if anybody wants a incredibly cool collection with uh, many of them you know selling for fairly high prices on eBay uh, just let me know again I'm at truthjihad at gmail.com
0: fantastic Kevin as always a pleasure to have you on VT radio and explaining the world to us that's a really big deal so thank you very much and we'll talk to you next week okay thanks Johnny take care okay, okay.
1: If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share
0: it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.